Coming up on the Behind the Mic podcast, we have to talk about those dual threat quarterbacks, y'all, and why I do not blame Trevor Lawrence. You're behind the mic with Michael Neal Jr. Welcome behind the mic, the behind the mic podcast, Mike Neal Jr., your host. I have a friend, and we haven't talked in a long time. Um, his name is William Jenkins. He won't mind me giving his name because, look, that's my boy. But we affectionately, affectionately call him Pig, P-I-G-G, two G's. And he was a real big fan of, and is a real big fan of, like, Michael Vick, Vince Young, just dual threat quarterbacks. Uh, just a little bit of a background on Pig. He's a very smart guy. Um, he played football at TSU, went to Maplewood High School. He was very good um, as a receiver. Um, and um, he worked with me at FedEx for a couple of years. And he's very knowledgeable. And that's why I think we meshed. We had a lot of conversations during the sort about football. We just talked football and in life, but we talked football all the time. And that was one of the things that I learned about Pig, that he loves dual threat quarterbacks. But one of the things that I think we just we really clashed on, because my thing was, it's like, okay, well, Pig, I get it, and I like him too. But I haven't seen a dual threat quarterback that did more running than passing that ever won a Super Bowl. Because it was all about, it wasn't about college. It was about the NFL. And he... At the time, you'll remember how long ago this was. This is during Michael Vick's heyday. So we're talking about 2000, 2001, 2002, right? Going through the history of the NFL. All right, not everybody remembers these names, but they should be some people that you recognize. Some of the dual threat quarterbacks in the history of the league. You look at Fran Tarkenton, who came in in 1961, all right? Everybody knows him as the, at one time, he was the all-time leading passer in NFL history, but he was a scrambler, and that's when it was not popular. They didn't like that. I remember watching, again, you know, my NFL uh, film stuff. Tom Landry was driven crazy by Roger, uh, Roger Staubach. But Staubach, yeah, he would have a play that was called, and he wanted it executed to the T, but Staubach was the guy's like, look, it's not there, I'm running. And he, it worked for him. So, but uh, at that time, as far as Tarkenton was concerned, he was a guy that could get it done on the ground as well as through the air. He went to three of the Vikings' four Super Bowls. Lost all of them to better teams. He lost to the Dolphins in 72, 70, uh, 73. He lost to the Steelers in 74. And uh, in 75, 76, 76, he lost Super Bowl eleven. To the Raiders. They were just better teams. The Vikings had some Hall of Famers on their teams, but he lost to better teams. But he, at one point, I think, set the record for rushing yards for a quarterback with like over 3,600 yards. Then you had guys like Steve Grogan. You don't know Steve Grogan, okay? He was a Patriot for a long time. He was a running quarterback coming out of Kansas State, and he uh, was a part of that group in 1978 that set the rushing record that the 19 Baltimore Ravens broke. They broke that record last year. 
you know, with Lamar Jackson and and Mark Ingram and all those guys, right? And one of those running backs for those 78, the leading rusher for the 78 New England Patriots was Sam Cunningham. Speaking of Cunninghams, if you go into the 80s and 90s, if you were my age, Randall Cunningham, you knew who he was. We used to call him Randall Runningham. Randall Cunningham, Steve Young, these guys just did it on a different level. But here's the thing. They also threw the football. Steve Young, we know, was a Super Bowl winner with the San Francisco 49ers. Yes, we knew he was a runner, but he got it done through the air. All right? I don't know if he still holds the record or held the record anyway uh, for rushing touchdowns by a quarterback, 43. And then you talk about guys like Steve McNair. Even in college, we know that he could run. In college and with the Tennessee Titans, he threw the football. Got to a Super Bowl, didn't win it, and I hate, still hate that to this day. The one game that I missed. How in the world? Stuff is right up under here, right up under my nose, and I miss the Titans Super Bowl game. I know why, but just don't ask me. And then in 2001, Michael Vick. He was the first to run for over 1,000 yards. Now we have Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is the new dual-threat quarterback. Now understand this. Pig's basic premise was right. If you have a quarterback that could run with the football as well as throw it, that's why they call him a dual threat. That would be the greatest quarterback of all time. Just imagine if Michael Vick had, if if Vick could throw the football just like Patrick Mahomes or someone like that, if he had the accuracy. Vick, by his own admission, was a guy who didn't even watch film until he got with Andy Reid. He didn't even study film. If anyone knows anything about Virginia Tech, when he was there those two years, he was a one-two read quarterback. He only had to do half of the field. So he was already behind the A-ball. Still, that athleticism was just too much to overcome. And I would have picked him number one as well. I mean, the guy, I still think, and I like Lamar, I still think that Mike Vick was the most dynamic running quarterback. I mean, Lamar, that's in my opinion. Lamar is a guy that just cannot be hit. But the way that Vick did it is just, my eyes just fell out of my head. So, I mean, look, Lamar is up there. I mean, and I think that he will be the greatest running quarterback. Some people probably already think that he is. And he probably is. Maybe it's a little bit of bias on my part. But what are the th- I think the question that you have to ask is where can this guy improve? Where can he improve? Sunday, they were up by as many as 10 points the Baltimore Ravens were against the Pittsburgh Steelers. My Steelers. We could not stop the run, but Lamar Jackson kept turning the football over. Lost the game 28-24. So, the thing that I had to ask myself, and look, I'm not, as a Steelers fan, I'm not exactly looking for him to get better. I want him to stay where he is. Uh, no shade, duck. Um, but I had to ask myself, what are the negatives and positives? Ask yourself, what are the negatives and positives of dual-threat quarterbacks? They have bad habits. There are quarterbacks who don't run. They have strong arms, like Brett Favre. What are their hang-ups? What are their bad habits? Well, they think they could fit the football in anywhere. 
Just like running quarterbacks, they just overuse their legs. The first read isn't there, they're going to take off. They're going to use their athleticism. That's the thing that they hang their hat on, right? And then it doesn't always work. And what happens is, is that NFL defenses will get the book on you. They see you enough. Bad habits of dual-threat quarterbacks, they don't develop as passers, especially in the pocket. That's one thing. And then they never develop an accuracy. One of the things that I've learned through this week, you know, but you know, because we're a day away from them playing again. They have uh, their game tomorrow, and it's like, okay, what are they going to do? I think they have the Indianapolis Colts. So what, what's going to change? And you have to think going forward, especially if you're a Ravens fan, this guy last year threw 36 touchdowns and I think only like five or six interceptions. Um, he was prolific throwing the football, simple things over the middle, in the middle of the field. But what he cannot do very consistently, and the numbers bear it, he's not throwing outside of the numbers very well. Any quarterback that you will tell you, if you're going to be a consistent passer and develop as a great passer, you have to throw, be able to throw the football everywhere. Even in the combine, you want to see somebody throw the football. They want to make all of the throws. Can you make all of the throws? Now, you won't be perfect, and you have to get out there. You got to get dirty. You have to mess up. You have to fail. And then you work on those things, which I believe the kid will do. Now, whether or not he'll be able to do it or not, I don't know. You can work on a lot of things, but you can come up short. Time will tell, but he has to improve his accuracy. And then the last thing, injuries. What happened with Michael Vick? Eventually that running in a preseason game blew his knee. And he was, I mean, Vick was a 5'11 quarterback on top of that, 5'11, six feet. He's about my size, about, about my height. But you run around too much and... You're bound to get hurt. That's one thing about Lamar, I, I will say, even from watching him in his days um, at Louisville, you just did not see this kid get hit. And that's what makes him a different running quarterback, which is, that's why I say I have to catch my bias. I'm thinking that this kid is really going to be great going forward if he does not get injured. But we have too many examples where that just does not work. RG3 never learned how to slide. I think he would have been okay. He kind of reminds me of Lamar Jackson in a way because when he was with the Washington football team, we'll call it that, he had a really, really good playoff game when they were playing against the Seattle Seahawks. And then it all ended, uh, it, it all ended on an in, a knee injury. That's what happened. He blew his knee out, and they never did took, take him out. He was already hurt, and Kyle Shanahan, 49ers head coach, his father, Mike, never did pull him from the game. We, I still don't remember why, but he stayed in there, and then eventually, pow, there goes his knee. Now RG3 is on like his third team. He's the backup for Lamar Jackson, and if anybody could tell you, it would be him. Listen to me, young fella. You better learn how to slide, but he doesn't really have to tell him that. <laughs> RG3 should probably have been looking, he or should be looking at Lamar. Lamar just doesn't get hit. I don't see him slide, but he better not take on too many of those hits. But those are some things that can happen to a quarterback. 
And again, going back to them getting the book on a quarterback after seeing film. This is his third year, 2020, right? There's a difference with quarterbacks between running to run and running to pass. In the Baltimore and Pittsburgh game, the final drive, the Pittsburgh Steelers had five linebackers and only three defensive backs. What does that tell you? That means we're not going to let you run on on us. But guess what? They ran the football anyway. They ran the football anyway. Just about the whole drive, that final drive. And they nearly got it, but we got to stop. Pittsburgh, we. (laughs) Got that final stop on fourth down, and he coughed it up again. He had... Three fumbles and two interceptions. He recovered one fumble early. He just dropped the ball on his own. Four total turnovers in the game. Pittsburgh seems to have the book if nobody else does. Because Pittsburgh has one of the best defenses, not the best total defense in the NFL. Two games against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Lamar Jackson is 32 of 56. That's 57%. That's not good. 369 yards, excuse me, four touchdowns and five interceptions. Against all other teams, his other 27 starts, 50 touchdowns, eight interceptions. So is it working against everybody else? Yeah. And I'm not going to be the one to say that he can't win big games because he's beaten the Patriots, although I would argue that the Patriots were kind of on their way down, even with Tom Brady. So, yeah, he didn't beat the Kansas City Chiefs. He is yet to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. And he's going to have to win a playoff game. Tennessee Titans ran through him last year, even though he threw for 300 yards, but a lot of people are doing that. I give him credit for throwing for that many yards. As we found out between this year and last year, the Tennessee Titans defense stinks this year. They're terrible, okay? And it's only getting worse. Last year... The defense worked out just fine. Yeah, you get a, give up some passing yards. We're going to make you throw the football instead of you being able to run it. That's why you have to take away one or the other. Going back to that final drive, again, Pittsburgh had five linebackers during that final drive. They did not respect Lamar Jackson passing the football. The Baltimore Ravens obviously didn't trust him passing the football. They just went with what worked. But even with five linebackers, you still didn't call a passing play? Okay. And it nearly worked. It nearly worked. Fourth down, he tried to take off running. That didn't work. It did not work. So you can roll. You you could be the Dallas Mavericks of the NFL. (laughs) which that's not terrible. And I'm talking about before they, uh, the Dirk and them boys won the championship some years ago. I'm talking about the Dallas Mavericks team that always had a good to great record and never did go to the finals. Of course, we know what happened. They finally got them one. But still, you don't, Baltimore fans, you don't want to be that, do you? I'm sure you don't because this franchise is a franchise that Prize themselves on getting to the Super Bowl and being a winner. That's why they're our treat that our chief rival, the Pittsburgh Steelers, chief rival in the NFC North. 
and have been for a long time. So, no, I don't believe uh, that Baltimore totally trusts him. Jim Harbaugh has already been quoted as saying that he has a lot to learn, and he does. And once he does, I mean, it's going to be it's going to be tough. It really is. Another thing about being in this offense, the way that they they do, as far as the passing and the and the run ratio, the running is working. Hollywood Brown he had a tweet that basically said, "Hey, what's the point of having soldiers or?" good receivers, and you never use them. Never. That's not a good sign either. And he's the most targeted receiver on the team. I think he has 44 targets on the season. And he has like, I think around 27 catches or something like that for over 300 yards. But the thing is, they're not throwing the football. Going back again to that final drive, there was going to be yet another game where, in a row, think it was going to be three games in a row that Lamar Jackson hasn't thrown for over 200 yards until, you know, that fourth quarter. And he finally went over the mark. But it's just one of those things where they're doing what, what's working. But at the same time, the coaching staff knows what's there. Now, some people are questioning offensive coordinator Greg Roman. I mean, the offenses look kind of similar between what he's running now with Lamar Jackson and going all the way back to when he was the coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers when Colin Kaepernick got to the Super Bowl when he was with the 49ers. So it can work and it can come close. But you see, and of course, we know there's other reasons why Kaepernick is not in the league. But there's so many complaints about the reason why he's not, the real reason because he's not any good. That's bullcrap, in my opinion. But, I mean, you have to be able to throw the football on a consistent basis. It's a passing league. It just is. And giving all credit to the fact that he's lost two of his starting offensive linemen and Ronnie Staley's gone, Stanley's gone for the uh, season. He nearly broke his ankle, I believe, during one of the drives on last Sunday. And then Tyree Phillips, the right guard. So, and then on top of that, the receiving core, while Hollywood Brown, I don't know, I didn't see the numbers on him particularly. They only had 10 drops total in 2019, the receiving core. This year, they already have eight, which ranks them, I think, 20th in the league. So they've got some work to do. They definitely do. We have guys that have won Super Bowls in the past, or at least gotten there. But like I said, there's a difference between quarterbacks that run to pass and run to run. Elway could do, he was a dual threat early on and he needed some help, but at least we knew he threw the football. He won it in his old age. Steve Young, he turned it around. Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes is not a guy that's going to run with the football per se, but we've seen him do it. Super Bowl last year, <laughs> in, just in January. We saw him do it. He got out of there when he needed to. Then you have guys like Cam Newton. Cam Newton, I think, and I almost have to pull pull my apology now and thinking that I might have been right. I'm just going to have to stay patient when I just throw something out there. If I really believe it, I think his arm is shot. And I think it's from all these years of running. Look at the way that he just takes a knee, calls a play, and then gets up. He's always grimacing. As big as he is, and all, and he's a tough guy, but he's hurting. 
because of all of that running. Look at the Patriots' offense. And they've been close themselves. The Patriots are not very good, okay? But they have been close. They've had plenty of games where they, the game could have went the other way. He fumbles last week against the Buffalo Bills. I think they're on their way to a touchdown drive. Same thing happened in Seattle. You know, they kind of called a play that everybody knew was coming, and then he got stuffed at the goal line. Go figure. Steve McNair, he spent a long time hurt, and the Sands ran out. And so did the rest of the team uh, here in Tennessee. Donovan McNabb, he was a running guy, but he at least he got there. But same thing. We talked about Fran Tarkenton, Colin Kaepernick. Now who's the guys that's on the list now? Josh Allen. He's another Cam Newton. Kyler Murray. I think that he's a smart guy. He's Russell Wilson all over again, just a little bit shorter. He can make the throws, and he knows how to slide and protect himself. Deshaun Watson, I don't know what's going to happen with this kid um, going forward in Houston. Uh, he got broke off real big, and that's great, but they're going to have to help him out. His offensive line, he's he's had his injuries as well. Dak Prescott, he's at home right now with a broke ankle. Why? Okay, even yes, he's leading the league still. A lot of there's a lot of passes that's not even caught up to his passing yardage. Uh, numbers this year because he was throwing for like four or five hundred yards. Justin Herbert, beware! This is a big kid, and I know you're young and you're a rookie. Get down! You're going to, have to learn how to get down, and he can run and he can, he can throw as well. Chargers, real Anthony Lynn, reel that kid in. Joe Burrow, he definitely runs to throw. He did the same thing at LSU. Now whether the Cincinnati Bengals handle the rest of the stuff around them. We'll get to that later on in the show. One thing I have learned about Lamar, he works on his weaknesses. He recognizes it. Remember from his rookie year, you see his neck, his rookie year, and you see his neck now. And that, that happened last year. His neck is wide as his head. He knew he had to put on some weight, and he started working on things. That's scary. This is the kid that could be the first one to be that real dual threat quarterback that can throw the football and complete some passes on a consistent basis as well as run. But I need him to get that percentage up. I mean, you need to run less, pass more. Then you'll really see some things open up. So it's not going to work. Youngins, <laughs> learn how to throw outside those uh, those lines and them numbers, please. Okay, so I've been a FedEx man for well over 20 years. And all of the places that I've delivered, I've seen the demographics, of the, the, the rainbow of demographics. I've seen the lowest of the low. I've seen the middle class. And I've seen where you had to hit a button and get an eyeball scan just to get into the gate. And then even when you get into the gate, you have to talk to some security guards. So I've seen a lot of different Houses you delivered to all kinds of places. And one of the things that I've noticed, especially in some of the um, more fruitful neighborhoods that I've been in, you see the signs on the door with the ring doorbell and they tell you, don't ring the doorbell 
you know, the baby is sleeping. Or they have the, the pink or the blue stuff that they bought to put on the outside of the door that says it's a boy or it's a girl. And no lie, I think about the advantages that this kid will have. I think about the social, cultural, and economical advantages that they will have. What are those? The house that they're already living in and the things that they'll have access to even in the future. The car that they'll ride around in or even potentially be able to drive once they go to that private school versus public school. That's what I think about. The clothes that they wear, the, the food that they'll be able to eat, whether they're at home or they're making reservations at name that restaurant. The example that popped in my head was that of LeBron James. We look at LeBron James, if you look at where he came from versus where he is now. The kid was, I mean, he wasn't dirt poor, but he came from the hood, okay? It's just him and his mom in that apartment. Now he can call his own shots. And the way he grew up and the way his kids are growing up is night and day. You see his daughter Zuri's house that's behind the house and she can go in and I'm sure it's fully furnished. You see what I'm saying? Now, he didn't have that growing up. You know what I mean? And you, you see that, which means what? You, you can make, your life is what you make it. You have to apply yourself. And that's great. Quarterbacks in sports, they are the most scrutinized and they are of the utmost importance. The most important position in sports is the quarterback position, bar none. Don't try to throw anything else in my face. That would be number one. They are the most important position, and yes, they are the one that's going to get pointed at when the team screws up. Now, is it fair? No, because there's other positions that screw up, and there are people out that are not on the field that screw that up. Stay with me, and I'm going to bless you. It's about where you end up. Again, it's what you make it, but not everybody, not every quarterback that is drafted into the league going to a certain franchise or certain franchises, especially if they're bad, can overcome bad management. You've heard me say it before. I'll continue to say it. Trevor Lawrence, last week, he left the door open. Sorry that he didn't get to play last week and didn't get to play. He's not going to play tonight against Notre Dame. By the way, it is Saturday, and I took my break from watching football to do this show. And I I, I, I love this show so much, just doing podcast all right i'm grambling so my whole thing is this he he left the door open knowing that he is going to be the number one pick whenever he comes out who has the number one pick right now the defeated new york jets so you have to ask yourself what is he looking at well obviously when we're living in this time where you have um so much access to information and social media, and you can just turn on the TV and hear what analysts are saying. And not everything that they're saying can you take to heart. Sometimes it's opinion, but there's a lot of fact that you see. Now, if you're a guy that believes I could turn that franchise around, okay, have at it. We've seen a lot of examples where I'm sure that there were guys who got drafted number one as a quarterback to certain franchises, and they couldn't handle it. You thought that they could, and you never know until they get out there. I've always said this about draft picks, no matter the sport, you won't find out what they're about until they get on the, on the court. 
or until they're in the grass. Trevor Lawrence is one of those guys I believe can go probably anywhere and be successful. I, you, sometimes you could just see it. With LeBron James, you could just see it, okay? I, if he failed, I would be surprised. You have examples throughout history, and the three that popped up in my mind, two of them were brothers. You have John Elway, Peyton Manning, and Eli Manning. John Elway in 83 was the consensus number one pick. He did not want to go to the Baltimore Colts. He was selected anyway by then GM, Baltimore Colts GM, uh, Ernie Acorsi. All right. He got out of that. They ended up trading him to the Broncos. All right. Look the story up. That's the basis of it. Peyton Manning was going to, he looked like he was going to come out in 96. He waited a year, just came back for his senior year. The New York Jets, ironically, up under Bill Parcells in 96, he was the coach. He had a big press conference at the University of Tennessee, Knoxville, and said, I'm coming back. Yay! Thank God. I was glad he came back. Eli Manning did not want to play for the San Diego Chargers. Now, whatever story you believe, whether Archie had something to do with that, I don't know. But I will say this. If anything, their father, Archie, played years with a New Orleans Saints team that stunk. For you kids that don't know how bad the Saints were, their, <laughs> their fans showed up with bags on their heads and drew tears up under the eyes. That's how bad they were. If you know, you, you know you're going to a bad franchise and you know that they're not about nothing, and I'm out my father's time. I'm sure I guarantee you they talked about it. Now he probably gave them some advice and said, do your own thing. And maybe he said, look, you probably don't want to do that. No matter what you believe, we know that Peyton did not come out. He ended up going to the Indianapolis Colts the next year. And on draft day, the Chargers did select Eli Ernie Corsi, stepping in with the New York Giants as the GM, made a ballsy trade to uh to to flip Philip Rivers for Eli Manning whom the Chargers happen to like and the rest is history. All three of these guys have won multiple Super Bowls. It worked out fine for them, right? I hate when good college quarterbacks end up with bad NFL franchises. They all have a common theme. They do. They they all stink and I I don't blame Trevor Lawrence if that's in the back of his mind. I mean, you go from um, Clemson and being in the college football playoff every year and winning national championship and uh, it just and then you want to go to that I don't think so I mean it's common sense that a bad court a good quarterback is going to go to a bad franchise if you're getting drafted at the top there's a reason that they're drafting at the top but if you are consistently at the top that's also a problem I think about Marcus Mariota coming here to the Tennessee Titans years ago. I didn't want him to come here because I'm just going to be frank. The Tennessee Titans are, they're not a bad franchise, but they are average. They're, they live right in the middle. We have one Super Bowl appearance in the 20 years that this franchise has been here in Nashville. No appearances before that when they were the Houston Oilers, but I didn't, I didn't looking at the coaching staff, and all of the other bad picks that they made, I think they made the right selection, but they didn't have the coaching in place. Now, I think about all the quarterbacks, you know, Warren Moon and Steve McNair. Moon's a Hall of Famer with the, uh, with the uh, you know, the, the Oilers side of the franchise. And I think 
Aaron McNair is a borderline Hall of Famer. If they had voted him in, then I don't think anybody would say, no, he shouldn't be a Hall of Famer. Then we went through Vince Young, Kerry Collins, Jake Locker, Matt Hasselback, Rusty Smith, <laughs> Zach Mettenberger, Blaine Gabbard, Clipboard Jesus, Charlie Whitehurst. And then Mariota, now we have Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill is not a bad quarterback. He's he's above average. He just needs some help, you know, this year. I, and I'll leave it at that. But the question is, you know, like I said, when you're looking at Lawrence, what is he looking at as a as the reasons? Ownership, GM, coach. He's looking at Woody Johnson, Joe Douglas, the GM, and Adam Gase, the coach. And I think the the, the thing that's flashing. Before his eyes, the first thing he's thinking about is Adam Gase. Adam Gase has not been very good as an NFL head coach. Okay, so in Miami, get my papers here. In Miami in 2016, they went 10 and 6, but then after that, 6 of 10, 7 to 9, fired. Hired by the division rival New York Jets. Last year, 7 to 9. This year, 0 and 7. But not only that, put that away not only that there's the fact that he has some baggage that has come with him and I'm not talking about off the field baggage by crazy eyes it's the fact that he does not get along with players he has bad relationships with with players and then his coaching overall has not been very stellar look at the the two examples right now that I think about good quarterbacks that go Number one is Sam Darnold. Now, he was thought to be the first pick in the draft when he came out in uh, 2018. It was Baker Mayfield. Okay. But I thought, okay, maybe this kid can do something, you know, but uh, they didn't give uh, Todd Bowles, I believe, was the coach at the time, enough time with him as the, as the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the quarterback. I think he only got a year before he was kicked to the curb. So... And then they bring in Adam Gase. Adam Gase got jobs because he breathed the same air as Peyton Manning in Denver. That's where he came from. And if he has shown that without having a Peyton Manning, it's probably not going to be very good. But at the same time, they had a better franchise that surrounded them as well. So uh, at the time, they had better pieces. Remember, the, 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 the uh, now he wasn't there for the Super Bowl win, I don't believe. But he was there around that team when they lost. So <laughs> he was a, uh, a coordinator or whatnot. But, I mean, Sam Darnold, going back to the Jets, um, it's not been good. And this year you can see that the kid is all they got. And the funny part is their record, they actually have won games with him at quarterback. Not this year. But without him, they're over. So I think they Sam, and he's not going to sit down. And, you know, Joe Flacco play, it's not going to happen. Deshaun Watson is the other one. Bill O'Brien, as the de facto GM for the year that he was there, he made too many uh, the year that he was the GM. He'd been, he's been with the, um, or he had been past tense. He was fired four games in this year. He had been the, co uh, the coach there since 2014. And he had a good record. He's got a winning record, but I think it was, the bad choices that he made as a GM. And this team is one and six this year because of it. 
Jadavion Clowney, although maybe it's proven right that he allowed him to, you know, to get away. They should, never should have traded away DeAndre Hopkins for a sandwich, a ham sandwich in David Johnson. He's cooked. And then they gave up too much with Larry Tunzel. Yes, they got a good left tackle, but they gave up too much. And consequently, it's Miami who has their first round draft pick and is looking good for Miami. So, I mean, there's bad franchises out there. And I think that any quarterback sees that. I mean, if I was, uh, if I was Trevor Lawrence, would I want to go to the Jets? Of course not. And I definitely wouldn't have re-upped because when I look at Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans signed him long-term, they gave him that extension. I'm like, oh, God. The suckiness, the suckiness continues. It's it's not going to be good. Is that unless they find a coach, it's not going to be good. Now, as one that will root for the Tennessee Titans in front of the Texans, cool. I just hate seeing a good quarterback like him go to waste. Now, as a Steelers fan, I'm praying Sam Darnold ends up with uh, Pittsburgh because Big Ben is 38. So Claypool, Deontay Johnson, just just as an aside, and Juju, y'all enjoy him now because if we don't get another quarterback, it's going to be just like last year. Just You saw what happened in 2019. That's what it's going to be like. A good defense and a, a, a high kind of running game and your passing game is going to fuck. It's not going to be good. So unless we get a quarterback in there, my franchise, I trust them. What's the first thing you think about when you say your franchise's name? I don't care what sport. I think stability with Pittsburgh. Because we bring in people all the time. But the one key thing has been quarterback. Quarterbacks have been in abundance. um, But you have to have the right quarterback, coach, GM combo. And that's what happens. The opposite of it, just these examples, bad franchises. The New York Giants, they had Jerry Reese. After Ernie Acorsi, Acorsi had a philosophy of get your quarterback, pass rusher, left tackle. Those are the ones you got to get your, get your quarterback. And he said you want to get your left tackle to protect him. And then you go pass rush and then everything else is a fill-in. Jerry Reese and Dave Gettleman have gone away from that. So, I mean, it's one of those things where they have just gotten away from the formula and I think, of course, he set Jerry Reese up for some success with Eli. And let's just be honest, they kind of barely got through the season. And then they had phenomenal post seasons. And they beat the two teams that they beat were the Patriots, the undefeated Patriots in 07. And then a couple of years later, they beat the Patriots again when they were loaded. Staying in that division, the team, the Washington football team, Daniel Snyder needs to sell. Since 99, they are 142-192. They have had 10 head coaches in his, as his ownership has continued to go forward. Only six winning seasons and two playoff victories. Back to Cincinnati, no playoff wins. January 6th, 1991 is the last time the Cincinnati Bengals have won a playoff game. And for all the good things that Marvin Lewis did, he just, they never won in the playoffs. Never did. And nearly a year later, one day short of a year later, my next team, the Detroit Lions, January 5th, 1992. That's their last playoff win. None since then. 
The Dallas Cowboys, they beat them 38 to 6. I still remember that. And they were the first team ever to go 0-16 back in 2008. And since 2008, great segue, Mike Neal, the Jacksonville uh, Jaguars have had one winning season since 2008. What season was that? 2017. The AFC Championship when they lost their lead to the uh, New England Patriots, I was standing in Maggiano's watching that with both of both my mouths open. I'm like, oh my God, this is actually happening. Jalen Ramsey wrote a check that his mouth could not cash. His, his, his mouth wrote a check that his butt couldn't cash. And they lost. So you have good franchises, you have bad franchises. If you get drafted to any of those, good luck. I think... Joe Burrow is the best thing that's happened to Cincinnati since Carson Palmer. Carson almost got him there, and then he blew his knee out against Pittsburgh. Sorry about that, Carson. And he went to a bad franchise with the Raiders and retired rather than continue his career, then came back out of retirement and went to Arizona. So go figure. If you end up one of these, end up with one of these, the New England Patriots, Bill Belichick, who was the Coach and GM, although his GM side is starting to look a little bit shaky since Tom Brady is not there anymore. Let's just be real. It's been deteriorating for a long time. And Tom Brady was that glue that held that team together. Bill Belichick, his coaching also was the helping along with all of his assistants. But it's, it's you know, it's not looking good right now. Cam Newton, he got to the party too late. They, they're packing everything up. By the time he got there, it's like, where's everybody going? Y'all seen Blues Brothers, right? You remember when the Winnebago pulls up, the good old boys, and you, the lead singer gets out, and it's like, we're running really late. That's Cam Newton. <laughs> That's him with the cowboy hat and the drawstring tie. He got there too late. They've come close. They stink. They've come close, but not close enough. Ben Roethlisberger, he ended up with Pittsburgh. He had, he started off with Bill Cowher. Ended up with Mike Tomlin, Kevin Colbert, the GM. Great franchise. Patrick Mahomes got gift-wrapped. He was gift-wrapped. Good quarterback with Andy Reid and Brett Veach. All I have to say is, I mean, they're the Super Bowl champions. They're defending Super Bowl champions. Look at their squad and look at the moves that they've made. Just remember this. If you're going to look for a good GM, you know what they're responsible for? They're responsible for the players. They're responsible for the coaches. They're responsible for the cap. If they can manage all three of those, cool. Baltimore, as much as I hate to admit it, I, I can't not admit it. Ozzie Newsom has set that table for years. And he passed it on to Eric DaCosta. John Harbaugh, very good coach. And then they draft Lamar Jackson. Now, whether that works out, you heard the first segment. Ah, we'll see. He's good, though. They, they hit. Drew Brees, I don't know what New Orleans is going to look at, uh, look like post-Drew Brees, but Sean Payton is a very good coach. Mickey Loomis, they've been bringing in some guys, whether it's in the first round or in the latter rounds. They keep hitting. Now, Seattle, they're going to give Russell Wilson some help, and if this dude does not get an uh, MVP vote this year, everybody should have their ballots revoked. I know this is election season, um, and I'm not going there, but I mean, I'm happy with the result. That's all I will say, but um, Seattle, Pete Carroll, John Schneider, y'all got to get something done on defense. Y'all know what you need. Y'all need to go get it. They keep hitting on these running backs in the late rounds. They drafted guys like DK Metcalf and developed guys like 
uh, Tyler Lockett and but the line and the defense that's been the two things that have kept Russell Wilson from the Super Bowl. Hmm. Now, Green Bay, good franchise. Aaron Rodgers, he's complaining about Mike McCarthy for a reason. Matt LaFleur, so far, I think it's going to work out. Uh, but Brian Gutekust, you, come on, man. Get your boy a receiver. I, I, I don't want to hear it. Get your boy a receiver. Understand if the running backs were hurting and there's COVID and all. Everybody's dealing with that. Get, 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 get them another receiver. All right. San Francisco, Jimmy G, I think it's curtains for Jimmy G there. But uh, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, I think that they are getting back to where they were. They had a chance to win that Super Bowl. It fell through. I hate it. <sighs> and that used to be my team, not going into it again. Indianapolis Colts, I think that they actually are a good franchise as well. Phillip Rivers, uh, he's in there. He's, he's a bookmark right now, a human bookmark. Frank Wright, they got the right coach. Chris Ballard, they have the right GM. They had Andrew Luck, but they did not sew up that offensive line in time. Hmm, go figure. And just dealing with my home team, I like what we have here at Tennessee. Now, if Mariota was coming out this year and he was selected by this group, I felt a lot better. It was just a little bit too little too late, all right? And it just didn't work out. Mike Vrabel, John Robinson, Amy Adams, Strunk, I trust them a little bit more. They're still in the middle. They're still in the middle. But Trevor, Trevor Lawrence, if you decide to go back to school, look, Peyton did it, and it worked out just fine. Gold jacket. Thanks for joining us. Out. <laughs>